My subject today is the righteous will flourish. The righteous will flourish. Now, if you hear such a word, then of course you must uh, become righteous. These are the things that we want to look at uh, today. And let me just uh, read a scripture which was on our bulletin as a reading for, for yesterday. So those of you who have been reading the bulletin, you have read that scripture yesterday. Okay, but I read it again. Chances are you haven't read it. Psalms 92 verse 12. The Bible reads, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. And uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans 1, 16. The Bible reads, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for, for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then the Gentile. For the gospel is righteousness from God. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. I like that. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, I read from the New Living Translation. Later on, I may read another translation, but the Bible says here, <clears throat> Dear friends, you always, always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep, deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what he pleases. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you can, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like the bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain that my work was not useless. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that we can gather today as uh, your people, as your family. Lord, you have called us out from various places, made room for us out of darkness, the darkness of this world, the darkness of sin. And Lord, you have made room for us in your family. And Lord, today we are looking up to you we want to understand deeper and better, Lord, what this really means to all of us. Lord Jesus, as I speak, let your words find entrance in every heart. And let your Holy Spirit make this word come alive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again, my subject today is the righteous will flourish. Of course, that is not just my good idea. This is what 
the Bible says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of God, they will flourish in the courts of our God. That's a powerful word. You know, maybe you have read this before, but today I want to dissect this word a little bit more into details to make us understand what is God saying. Because God does not just use illustrations or parables or stories in order just to make them nice and good, but he always has got a deeper meaning inside of them. The question, of course, is if the word of God says the righteous will flourish, the question is how can a mortal person be called the righteous? Because definitely not everybody is righteous. So this word is not a word that describes every human being in this world. It only describes a certain group of people who can be called righteous. Okay? And of course, uh, if you would go on the street and find out what people are saying about who is righteous, you would uh, probably get a lot of different answers, most of them having probably nothing to do with the Word of God. But I want you to understand you become righteous not by what you do, but by, but by what Christ did for us. And that is of ut utmost uh, importance to understand. In my office, I have a poster which has been hanging there for a long time. In fact, it has been hanging even in one of the clinics. And every now and then, people have asked me. And this week, somebody has asked me again. Because on this poster, you know, which I have uh, done many years ago, I think 15, 16, 17 years ago, uh, it's a nice picture on the River Zambesi with that nice hotel in the background, uh, uh, Livingstone Hotel in the background. And uh, I have put a, a word there which says, God enjoys the works of a saint. Okay, I think we can all agree with that, isn't it? God enjoys the way, work of a righteous person. That's what we are talking about today. But he rejects good works to make you one. Okay, and some people got stuck with that. They were stumbling over this, uh, uh, this word because they said, what, what does this mean? I remember when we opened our clinic here, we had a lot of people from different churches, and there was somebody who was uh, very firmly uh, um, you know, rooted in one particular big church. And of course, where he comes from, the idea of being righteous or being a saint means that you have to have uh, lived maybe 20, 50, 100 years ago, and you have had to do certain miracles, and you know, uh, there are so many qualifications to, for somebody to become a saint. So of course, these people don't really understand what it means to be a saint. But the reality is, from Scripture is that we are saints when we trust Jesus Christ to be our Lord and to be our Savior. Okay? When we understand that there's nothing we can add to the work of salvation apart from what he has already done. Okay? So God enjoys our works. You know, we have been talking about the fruits that we should bear the last two Sundays. And uh, I think it's very important that we understand that God has planted us like a tree so that we bear fruit, okay? Or as Jesus says, we are branches on the vine. And the vine is constantly producing 
the energy, the sap, in order to let it flow through the branches so that the branches can be able to bear the fruits. So God wants us to bear fruits. There's no question about it. You know, like we have been in you. Okay, giving you the desire to, and the power to do what pleases him. So God wants us to do things that bring him, that bring him joy, that bring him glory. Okay, and this is what we can do when we are saints. Okay, when we are not saints, then what we do will probably uh, bring a lot of tears into not only people's eyes around us, but even God will not be uh, happy about our life. Now, the Bible is very clear in the words that it says. Okay? There's a righteousness, the Bible says, from the gospel. And it is revealed from God. A righteousness that is by first by faith from first to last. You know, the righteous will live by faith and not by sight, not by, by the works of the flesh. Now, that's what the second line here means all about. Let me say this again. This is, this is my, my uh, uh, stanza, my line. It's not from the word of God, but uh, it's still based upon what the scripture said. God enjoys the works of a saint. Okay. So if you do good works, he enjoys that. But if you try to tell God, God, I have done so many good things, now you have to accept me to be a saint, or now you have to accept me uh, to, to, to receive me because I have done A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, then you will be shocked that God says, that is not sufficient. We are saved on the basis of what Christ has done for us. And Romans Chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says this very, very clearly. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. We become saints through the salvation that Christ has brought to us. To understand, People have made this thing very, very complicated, but it's very simple. Now, in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that there is no other name given in this world, under heaven, in which we must be saved. That is in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Okay? So, in other words, there's only one way. There are no two ways, no five ways, no ten ways. You know, because people uh, always tell us we must be, we must be open-minded, you know, we must be able to let everybody go according to their own fashion. Now, no problem. People can believe whatever they want to believe. The fact is that salvation comes only one way. Okay? People can follow religions, but it will not take them to the destiny that God has designed for us. The destiny that God has designed for us, we can only reach through Christ Jesus. Okay? So salvation is found in no one else. And this is not a word that anybody has said, you know, in this world who has no clue, but this is God himself saying to us. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And this is the name Jesus Christ. Okay? He became our Savior. So God is working in us, giving us the power to do what pleases him. Okay? That's why God enjoys the works of a saint. 
because he is working through us. Like the branch on the vine, the energy, the life-giving sap comes from the tree and it brings it into the branch and the branch will be able to bear the fruit that is designed in the branch, in the, in the tree, by God himself. Because God is the one who has, has designed every plant and every branch and every tree according to his own perfect plan. Okay? And so what we are talking about today has really got something to do with the greater plan of God. Because everything that God has created in his wonderful work in his design of this world has got something to do with his greater plan. And that is what I want you to see today from the scriptures that I'm going to read to you. Okay, maybe just again from the uh, book of Philippians. I read it from the NIV. Maybe that's how we have uh, uh, got it in. But in much more says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, now I like the one, uh, the way it is written in Philippians, uh, in the NL, in the New Living Translation, much better. God is working things in you, you know, work to show the results of your salvation. Okay? So, yes, but there is the element of fear and trembling. You know, we should do the things of God, not half-hearted, but really with seriousness. That's why Paul says, continue to do the work of your, out, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, salvation has been given to us free of judge, but there are works of salvation, and those need to be done by all of us. And then he says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Okay? There's a purpose. Purpose means there's a plan. When God has a plan, that means you cannot just do what you want. You need to understand the plan, and you have to go uh, according to the plan. You know, if you want to build a house, uh, you have to have a plan. Okay, if you don't have a plan, I would advise you, don't build that thing, what you, what you are trying to build. You must have a plan, okay? If you don't have a plan, probably it will become a very crooked thing, and even if it looks straight and uh, the authorities will come and say, where is your plan? You know, where have you uh, approved that plan? You know, you will be in trouble because you don't have a plan and you don't have approval for that plan. So, God has to produce. So for it is God who works in you the will and the power to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's a very amazing insight that God is giving, giving us here. Now Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Okay, you know how much grumbling and arguments are in our world and probably we are part of those people who are also arguing and grumbling, okay? But the Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, or some translations say in the universe. That's, that's powerful. Imagine God wants you to, to shine like a star 
in the universe. And stars, they will be there, you know, they don't move. They are continuously visible. And that's how God wants us to be. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So in other words, Paul says, you know, God has a tremendous, amazing plan for each and every one of, of us. He has a purpose that we are here to fulfill, and we need to do everything according to that purpose. God gives us the will, okay, and he gives us the power to act according to his very good plan. Now, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, but also in the New Testament several times, that the righteous will live by faith. And that is really our, our you know, war cry. You know, we live not by side, we live not by the arm of the flesh, but we live by faith. In the book of uh, Hebrews 11, verse 4, the Bible tells us, but by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith. Listen, he did everything by faith. Okay, by faith he was commended as a righteous man. Okay, why did he get that commendation to be a righteous man? Because he didn't trust in his own, brought all the, 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 the fruits of his hard work. He was sweating on the ground and, and uh, uh, that's how he brought it to him and Cain wanted God to accept that. But Abel said, there's nothing I can do except to bring the best of my flock. And he brought a firstborn lamb. And of course, that was an illustration of the Lamb of God, of Christ himself. And so the Bible says he did this by faith, okay? By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when he spoke well of his offering, when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even so, he is dead. So what he did is really a great example for all of us. We need to trust in the Lamb of God, not in the sweat of our work, but we need to trust in the Lamb of God. And that's what Abel did. Now in the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, but by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So we may do whatever we wish in order to try and fulfill, you know, the law or do the kind of works that we think will make us uh, acceptable to God. It will never be sufficient. The work that can bring us salvation, the work that can make us righteous, the work that makes us a saint is already done on the cross of Calvary. All we need to do is connect with him and be in him, then God calls us the righteous. 
And that's what I'm talking about today. You know, I'm talking about the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Okay. Now, how does the righteous man flourish like a palm tree? Why does God use the palm tree? Now, I, I know we, we are living in Zambia and there are many palm trees we have all seen that we are all, you know, uh, uh, having around us. But did you really consider the nature of a palm tree? And this is what I'm where I talk a little bit about it. You know, palm trees, of course, grow where the sun is shining a lot, okay, like in tropical and subtropical areas like ours. Of course, palm trees can even be found in more uh, the northern hemisphere where it is not so hot, but they are flourishing much more in the, in the places like the tropicals and the subtropicals. And really, this is a picture of Christ, where Christ is letting his light shine. That's where the palm tree, that means us, can be able to grow and flourish. Now, the palm tree develops a very strong root network. And the root absorbs water even in very dry seasons. You know, very many palm trees are, are actually growing where there's very, very, it's very sandy, but they are not suffering because they are able to get nourishment, they get the water from the ground. And of course, that all talks about us Christians, you know. We should not be dependent on our surrounding, you know. We should be dependent on the Lord's. It is his life that flows into us. It may happen in a hidden way, just like you can't see how the palm tree is getting its, uh, its, its water from the ground. It's happening in secret, but it's happening all the same. Otherwise, the tree would not be able to survive. Now, the... Palm trees grow very rich fruit. I'm not sure whether you are aware of that, but I have brought you a picture. I hope we can have it on the, on the screen. Okay, I brought some picture of uh, nine different types of palm trees. And uh, palm trees bear rich fruit. Okay? Uh, Actually, before I did uh, this study, I wasn't really so sure uh, or not so much aware of that. Of course, I knew about coconuts and things like that. But of course, you know, there are different palm trees that bear amazing different types of fruits. I hope you can see this picture. Okay, so there is a, there is a coconut palm. There's a date palm, you know, where the dates, they are mainly eaten in the Middle, Middle East. There is a Acai palm, which is a different fruit. Then there's a peach palm, there's an oil palm, there's a betel nut palm. Okay, they're all different fruits and you can see how rich the fruit is. If, if you cannot see very clearly, but you can see all these fruits, they come in clusters. They come in, they come plentiful. And then there's a, there's a jelly palm, there's a, what they call a snake palm. Because the fruit look, the fruit skin looks like a skin of a snake. That's why it's called a snake palm. And there is a, there's a vine palm, okay? Actually, there are more than that. This is just the nine more imp most important. All of these palm trees are bearing rich fruit, okay? How many of you have climbed up a palm tree and have gotten, you know, the fruit from the palm tree? Anyone here? Can I see the hand? 
Okay, I can see somebody behind there. Okay, what about the rest? Have we been eating from the palm tree? Okay. Maybe we have been consuming the products of a palm tree without knowing it. But the fact is, you know, uh, palm trees are rich producers of fruits. That's amazing. And when God says, you know, that we are going to flourish like a palm tree. Now, can, can you see how a palm tree flourishes? It brings forth so much fruit. It, it is flourishing in an amazing way. Okay? So not only is the fruit plentiful, but it is also healthy with many different healing properties. You know, I've been reading about it. I don't, I don't want to, uh, um, you know, go into details because I may not understand everything in details. And you know what you sometimes read on the internet, you have to check it out before you can be very sure about it. But, you know, it's very interesting that a, a, a palm tree has got so much in rich fruit and minerals, you know, so much that we can benefit from as a result. Now, um, what are the benefits of the palm tree? I just read that in the, in, on, on, on Google. It can fight cancer, it increases eyesight, reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease. Hey, you know, some of us would need some fruit of the palm tree. It uh, promotes lactation and helps in maintaining healthier skin, hair, and nails. Okay, maybe I can grow some of my hair again. <laughs> But that's very interesting, isn't it? Have you ever thought about that? Very, very powerful. Now, even spiritually, the palm tree has a lot of different meanings. You know, palm branches were considered symbols of victory and triumph. That's why during the time when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem as uh, the king of kings on a donkey, okay? Now, this was a prophecy from the Old Testament where the prophet said that a king will come and riding on the donkey's colt into the city of Jerusalem. And that's what Jesus did on that day, the, the day before his crucifixion. And people were breaking off palm branches from the palm trees, and they were laying them out on the, on the street, and they said, Hosanna to the king. You know, the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think we are all very familiar with that. Why did they do that? Palm branches were considered symbols of victory and triumph. Okay, the palm branch is a symbol also of peace and eternal life. Okay, so that was very well known in the Middle East uh, in the days of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Additionally, palm tree, you know, is, is always... Uh, playing a major role in, in uh, celebrating a victory. And maybe you are amazed that in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, we read about that. Very, very amazing. Okay, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible says, And after I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes 
and were holding palm branches in their hands. Yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, that is now when everybody is being gathered, all the righteous, all the saints are being gathered in front of the throne of God when we are standing before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then we are having white robes, you know, that talks about our righteousness. Okay, you see, this is a, uh, is Jesus always, or God's word is always encoding uh, such kind of words with a deeper meaning. So white robes means that we have the righteousness in which there is no, uh, no shadow. Okay, that is the righteousness of God. That is the righteousness we received from Jesus Christ when we became children of the Most High God. So in case you are still struggling with some problems, let me tell you, you know, uh, even so, we, we sometimes fall. We sometimes uh, still mess up. God has given us his righteousness like a white robe. Amen? But also, you know, when we are standing before God, the Bible says we are going to have this uh, palm branch in our hands. And that is really a sign of victory, a sign that we have overcome. Okay? This is an, a code that God uses time and again, and he gives us that insight. You know, that when we are standing before the Lord, we stand there because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and we have got a righteousness, not of our own, but a righteousness that comes from the work of Christ in our life. And it also tells us that we have been more than conqueror in Jesus Christ. We have victory, not in ourselves, but in him. As uh, Paul has written in the book of Romans chapter 8. So we have got this symbol of palm branches, a symbol of victory, a symbol of having overcome whatever we have been facing in this world. Now that's truly amazing. Okay? So John 12, 12, I think we all know that. I've just uh, um, already quoted it, but let me just read it. In John 12, verse 12, the Bible says, The next day the great crowd had, a great crowd had come from the feast, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Now imagine, this same person who was nailed to the cross the next day was recognized the day before as the King of Israel. As the the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the one who is the blessed one, in other words, the Messiah. And they worshipped him with these words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So imagine, when, when Jesus gives us this insight in his word, when God is revealing these words to us, like, in Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Don't just read over that. Think about it a little bit deeper. Okay? A palm tree has deep meanings. Okay? Now, let me go a little bit in a few other things. Why are palm trees so strong? You know, its roots spread very wide and very deep at the same time. You know, there are some trees which have got, you know, trees which are 
on the surface, they go very white. And then there are trees which have got a root which is going straight down. But the palm tree has both. Okay, it goes down and it goes white. Very interesting. So when strong winds come, the palm tree's root system is not weakened, but actually strengthened by the storms. And so next time you are going through a storm, don't be afraid, okay? Because you are planted like a palm tree, okay? I'm not saying you are a palm tree, but like a palm tree. You know, God uses these illustrations, these pictures, these uh, parables in order to show us more about ourselves. So God will allow certain storms to come. You can't run away from them, but when they come, that's when our root system is growing stronger. Okay, so when the wind blows very hard on us, then we should be like the palm tree and stretch our roots even further and grow them stronger. That's what we see in the palm tree. Okay? The palm tree does not lose much water, okay? Whatever it uh, ex uh, extracts from the ground, it keeps inside and bears its fruit. It doesn't really lose a lot of water uh, in the process. So that's what, why the, the palm tree is able to uh, live well even in very hot areas. So heat and drought, uh, it easily can withstand. It's actually heat and drought resistance. Okay, so we have already talked about the fruit of the palm tree. And, you know, I, I think it's an amazing, am amazing uh, uh, insight of what richness of palm trees, uh, you know, the fruit that they're producing. Of course, we may not have every type of palm tree here in Zambia because they are growing in different places in this world. You know, they are rich in potassium, which is very important for our, for our uh, structure as a human being. They are rich in fiber, in iron, in zinc, and even vitamin C. Okay, so eat the fruit of the palm tree, you will not regret it. Are we together? So when Jesus says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, I, I hope you have a get a, got a better and deeper insight of what this is all about, okay? So God consistently, you know, uses nature to illustrate spiritual truths. And he tells us on this picture of the palm tree of how the righteous is able to flourish. Okay, so the palm tree is like a mirror that should benefit the world around us, okay? Again, as I said before, you know, the fruit that a tree bears or a plant bears, the tree or the plant does not eat the fruit itself. It is for the people around. And likewise, God wants you to bear rich fruit so that people around you will benefit from that, from that fruit. Okay, so I have talked about one side, okay? The righteous will flourish like the plums, the palm trees, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of God, okay? Now, I think all of you know that Lebanon is still around. It's a country. It may be a broken country today, but it's still around. And in the flag of the, of the uh, 
country of Lebanon. Okay, I've actually brought you a picture of it. You know, this is the flag of Lebanon. You can see a red line on top, the red line on the bottom, and then on the white uh, space, you see the cedar of Lebanon. It is world renowned, okay? In fact, the Bible talks about the cedar of Lebanon uh, since ancient times. It's very interesting. And uh, for you to have a better idea, because you, you don't see cedars growing around here, so I brought you the cedar tree. Okay, these are trees which can become up to 3,000 years old. Okay, so when, when, when the Bible says uh, that the, the righteous will still bear fruit in old age, they will stay fresh and green. You know what it means, huh? So the, the cedar tree is not becoming three, four, five, six years old, or not even 50, 60, 70, 80 years old like us human beings, but it can even become 1,000, 2,000, or even 3,000 years old. So when God talks about old age, think again, okay? It's not just your life spot. It's far beyond that, okay? So the cedar tree uh, is a tree that the Bible talks about consistently. It considers uh, it to be the first of trees. And we find that description in the book, first uh, book of Kings, chapter 4. Also, in the book of Isaiah, the cedar tree is described as strong and durable. In Psalm 80, verse 10, we find it that it's described as graceful and beautiful. And Amos, in the book of Amos, says that the tree is high and tall. And in the Song of Songs, we read that there is a special fragrance of the cedar tree. <coughs> and again in Psalm 80, we see that, he's, that the tree is spreading far and wide. Now all these are amazing, uh, you know, at, uh, at, uh, well, uh, characteristics that we are seeing in, in uh, that tree. So why does you, God, use that tree? What does God want to tell us about it as well? Now, first of all, even the cedar tree produces fruit. You know, there is uh, fruit that I'm told is also good for medicine. Uh, but some of the fruit takes three years to grow. Okay, so if you're eating it when it's appearing, then it's not yet ripened. So it may not give you the, the kind of taste that you want. Okay, so it can take three years for the, for the berries, for the plants to grow on the cedar tree. Okay, again, it has health properties. I don't want to go into details about that. But what is the cedar tree used for? The common use of a cedar tree is it is used for veneer. Okay, so you are having maybe a, a timber that doesn't look good, and then you are using the, the cedar tree as a veneer on top of it so that it looks beautiful, because the cedar tree has a very characteristic kind of look. Okay, it's also used in building construction, uh, to build cabinets or build houses, build roofs, okay? Even those objects which are turned and twist, uh, twisted, they are being used for that. Okay? Now, 
does the cedar tree still exist in Lebanon? That's a question. Maybe you have that question. You know, during the days of uh, Scripture, you know, the Bible, when, when uh, um, God commanded to get a cedar tree to the building of the temple, uh, there were the whole plains of Lebanon were filled with that, uh, with that uh, uh, cedar tree. Many thousands of square kilometers of forest once spread across most of Lebanon's highlands. Now, today, only 17 square kilometers of cedars remain. From many thousand square kilometers to only 17 square kilometers remain. And they are in scattered groves. There is uh, one very famous uh, cedar. It's called the cedar of God because it's so old and it has been protected and preserved since 1876 when they have been fencing it and nobody is supposed to go in there. It's, uh, it's, it's protected. Now, what is the spiritual meaning of the cedar? The cedar has been used for healing and purification. Cedar have evergreen properties, no, so they're never shedding their trees. They're always remaining trees throughout the year. In fact, it's true even for the palm tree. Both of these trees are evergreen, okay? They're never, they're never dropping the leaves like you have seen. Many, many trees recently dropped their leaves. Like in our yard, we have so many trees and uh, you know you can uh, try to get rid of the leaves before you are finished on one end, and then you can start on the on the first end again and 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 take the leaves. But the the cedar tree and the palm tree, they are not shedding the leaves the same way. They are remaining green forever, even if trees are becoming old. But the the the, the tree remains green always. There is no season in those trees. Very interesting. So now in scripture, the tree, the, the, the cedar tree is used many times uh, and, and, and described. Let me read you the book of First King, chapter 6. Okay, this is a passage of scripture that uh, it, it describes uh, the importance and the prominence of the cedar trees. Okay, First King, chapter 6, verse 9. So he built the temple that was Solomon, and he completed it, roofing it with beams and cedar blanks. Are you hearing that? Cedar, beams, and planks. And he built the side rooms all along the temple. The height of each was five cubits, and they were attached to the temple by beams of cedar. Okay, this is the cedar wood. The word of the Lord came to Solomon, as for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees, observe my laws, and keep all my commandments, and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David, your father. And I will live among the Israelites, and I will not abandon my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. He lined its interior walls with cedar boards, okay? So you can see there is, on the roof construction, the outside construction, there is cedar. Even on the interior construction, there is cedar again. So he lined its interior walls with cedar boards, paneling them from the floor of the temple to the ceiling 
and cover the floor of the temple with planks of juniper. Juniper cedar is the same related tree to the cedar. Many people are actually mixing up that juniper and cedar is the same, but they are two different trees. He partitioned off 20 cubits at the rear of the temple with cedar boards from floor to ceiling to form within the temple an inner sanctuary, the most holy place. Interesting, huh? The most holy place was built with cedar wood, okay? Not any other wood, but cedar, okay? And the Bible calls the righteous like a cedar of Lebanon. Very interesting, isn't it? The main hall in front of this room was 40 cubits long. The inside of the temple was cedar, carved with, with uh, girls and open flowers. Everything was cedar. No stone was seen. You know, in the inside, if we were inside, you know, like, like our walls, you know, you don't see the stones because the, the, the walls are plastered. But in their case, it was not plastered with uh, a, a cement plaster. It was actually lined with cedar planks. Beautiful. Okay, that's why that temple was so valuable, so rich. Interesting, you know, God decided that the cedar should be used and brought from the country of Lebanon to Jerusalem and that the temple should be built with that tree. Now, what does that mean to us? That's very interesting. You see, um, God says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and will grow like the cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish the courts, they will flourish in the courts of God. So you can see the cedar was taken to the house of God. Actually, the house of God was built by this cedar tree and cedar planks. Very, very interesting, isn't it? And you know, you probably know the scripture that says that we are living stones, okay? Uh, that is uh, found in the New Testament. But now here we are seeing that God is not only talking about stones, but he's talking about wood as well. And a very special, a very expensive wood. Now, God wants us to be planted into his house. You know, we must flourish in his courts of God. That means into the... Like those trees, God's people are planted into the house of God. That means into the family of God. Okay? That's very important, extremely important. Okay? We are flourishing because we are in the house of God. When we come to our Father's table, we are receiving bread and wine. We are receiving grace and truth through the wonderful work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. So we are planted in the house of God. This is where the Father provides for us constantly, like today. You know, we may not have Holy Communion where we are taking the emblems of bread and wine, but we are still receiving his word. And his word is life. His word is giving us strength. Okay, so the Father provides his grace. He provides the truth of his word to all of us. So, 
We are called for a constant relationship of sons to the Father in Christ. Okay, that's where we are going to flourish. Outside of the family of God, we are not going to flourish. The righteous man must be in the house of God, in the family of God. If you are not in the family of God, don't call yourself righteous. Okay? Or maybe you have been and you have backslidden. Our flourishing is determined by our location. Okay? And I'm not talking about this house here. This is just a building in which we meet for, for you know, uh, convenience sake. This is not the house of God. The house of God is all of us together. We, the children of the Most High God. We, the sons of the living God. We are the house of God. Okay? Like the Bible talks about the house of David. This is the family of David. So God speaks about his house. And the house of God is made up of the righteous, wonderful family. So our flourishing, as I said, is determined by our location. Where are you in relation to the Father? Where are you in the relation to Christ? Okay? If you are cut off, like Jesus said, like a branch of the, on the vine, then you cannot bear fruit. You know, the, the vine will still produce fruit, but a branch without the connection to the vine cannot bear anything. You know, when God says that we are planted in the house of the Lord and that we are flourishing in the courts of God. It has got a deeper meaning. I think you all heard of, of, of people who are entering into courtship, isn't it? That means two people who have come from two different families, they are going into courtship. Okay, what does courtship mean? Courtship means relationship. They're building a relationship that is eventually going to enter into marriage. And that's exactly what God is showing us here. You know, in his courts, where we have a relationship with the living God, that's where we are going to flourish. So that relationship must be and must remain solid at all times. No matter what the winds or the storms may, you know, bring to us uh, in life, they will be there, you know, seasons will be there, there will be season, seasons that are easy and seasons that are tough, but we should always be depending on our God for our nourishment, for our strengths, for our ability to withstand the seasons, uh, storms, or whatever other elements may come. So our nourishment... That is the nourishment from the word of God. Just like right now we are receiving from the... Okay? Otherwise, we are not going to have the strength that we need. We are spiritual beings. And hence, we need to feed on spiritual food. Okay? Now, there's a, there's a big... Uh, issue in the book of Romans chapter 7. There is the spirit against the flesh. Okay, and uh, you know, the, the flesh is always trying to grave for the things of this world. But God wants us not to, uh, to uh, you know, feed on the, on the world which the Bible calls a crooked world, a crooked generation. But we must feed on the nourishment that comes from above, that comes from God. 
that comes through our root system in Christ, that comes through the times of refreshing that the Holy Spirit is sending over our life. And that is beautiful. And God makes sure that this will always be there. So it doesn't matter what you are going to withstand as a cedar in Lebanon or as a palm tree, you will be able to be strong. It is very interesting uh, that the, the, the branches of a palm tree can be bent 40 or 50 degrees without snapping. No other tree can be able to withstand that kind of, uh, of force. But a palm tree, it can, you know, it can be able to withstand the storms of life to such an extent and it will not be damaged. And that's how God has created us. You know, that's why God uses this picture of a palm tree or of a cedar tree in order to show us deeper meanings of spiritual nature of our life. So we are, just like the palm tree and the cedar tree, to be evergreen and fresh, bearing rich, rich fruit, even in old tree can get. Okay? No matter how old you get, you will never get as old as a, as a, as a cedar tree can get. Okay? They have actually documented facts that uh, there are cedar trees which are 3,000 years old. And that's very old. Okay? I remember when I was a child, you know, uh, we went to the village where my, my mother came from. And in that, uh, in that uh, village, you know, there was a small park. And in that park, there was a tree which was 1,000 years old. Okay, if I had found the picture, I would have brought it to you. But unfortunately, uh, I don't have one. Not even found one on the internet. Uh, it was actually finally cut down in 1994 uh, because it was, it was beginning to break. Okay, that stem was so big, and it was actually broken in the middle so you could walk through the stem, okay? A tree that is 1,000 years old. Now, how many generations is that, okay? That is not just your, your the generation of father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, and whatever, you know? 1,000 years old, documented, okay? That's when you realize how great God's creation is. And that's when we have to realize how small we are, and yet God has loved us with an everlasting love. God has a purpose for our lives, and we are finding room in his plans, not just anywhere, anyhow, but in his house, in his courts. And that's where he put us so that we flourish. So next time you read this scripture, you know, remember all of these things. Next time you go through a, a, a period of heat and storm, remember that God says that you will stay fresh and green. And you can proclaim the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Okay, he's not shifting, he's not moving. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will always remain because yesterday, today, and forever. So my dear brothers and sisters, God wants us to keep bearing fruit just like the palm tree and just like 
this cedar tree. Okay? When other trees will fold up and break, those trees will stand. They will stand, withstand the storms of life in season and out of season, and they will not snap. And in the same way, God wants us to realize that this is what he wants us to be. Okay? This palm tree and the cedar trees are just mere illustrations of how the righteous person ought to be in this world. So we can learn from that. So the fruits that God wants us to bear should be as rich and manifold like the fruit of a, of a palm tree. Okay? We should bring healing to our worlds. We should be able to build the temple of the Lord. We should be able to have an input in what God is doing in these worlds. That's why he tells us this powerful word. The righteous. And you know who is the righteous? Am I right? The righteous. That is you. If you are not, please, become righteous. Not by trying to be uh, with a good impression to God, no, but by receiving Christ, your Savior and Lord. So this is the word of God. The righteous will flourish. And if you don't know what this means, look at a palm tree. Look at a cedar tree. Then you will understand what you are meant to flourish in. You are there to bear fruit, and you are there to build the house of God. This is an amazing word. Okay? You are planted in the house, the family of the Lord. And you will flourish in the courts of God, not outside the courts of God, not in the world, not in your bank account. That's not the issue. I'm not against you flourishing in the bank account, but that's not what it means. This is not a word of prosperity that a lot of people are, are trying to bend to mean what they want it to mean. No, actually this means something far beyond that. Okay? God wants us to flourish in the house of God and in this world to build the house of the Most High God. When you are going to the book of uh, um, Revelation chapter 21 and you read about the new Jerusalem and you see all the precious stones. Actually, the precious stones are not precious stones. The, the precious stones are standing for the saints, the righteous ones. Because all of us will shine in a very unique way when we are in the city of God, when we are in the family of God, when we are in the house of God. May God bless you and make you continue to flourish in your life. So don't fear what the winds and the storms may be able to bring, but keep your eyes upon Jesus. He is the author and is the finisher of our faith. God bless you. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful. We are grateful because you have called us for a purpose. You have a plan for our life that is far beyond today and tomorrow, far beyond our little problems here and there. Lord, you have an eternal plan to build us as the family of God, to make us into the house of the living God. 
Like we have seen, you built the temple of the Old Testament with the cedar tree. Lord, you want to use us, the righteous, who are to be like a cedar tree or like a palm tree in order to build your spiritual house. And so, Lord, I pray, let us be able to understand the significance of us to remain in the house of God, remain in the family of God, remain in a strong relationship in the courts of God so much for this revelation that you have given us today. And I pray, Lord, let it find room in our hearts. Help us to meditate upon this word and make us overcome. Let us be encouraged, Lord Jesus, and I pray that you make us strong, no matter what will be happening around us. Lord, we are going through a season of COVID. We are going through hardships in our world like we have not seen in our lifetime. And yet we know that you are greater than all of these things. Lord, that you will still work out your purpose in our life because, Lord, we are not dependent on the world system. We are dependent on the roots that go deep into your life. Thank you, Lord, for your word, your word of life that is making us stand strong no matter what we are going through. So, Lord Jesus, we pray for those who may be sick, that you lift them up, Lord, that you touch their lives, that indeed, Lord, they will be able to flourish like the palm tree and like the cedar tree of Lebanon. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.